you ever just woke up in the morning, right? And like took a nice little yawn and just went, oh, fuck, my breath stings like shit. <laughs> Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm just like, un- b- bed breath is, is a normal occurrence, right? But just bed when you breath. wake, when you, yeah, bed breath, morning breath, whatever you want to call it. But just you wake up, maybe Death like breath. maybe your mouth was open while you were sleeping. You're like, right, so you're just getting in all that germs and yeah, stuff, yeah. and you just wake up one day <laughs> with breath unusually more dog shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know it's weird as well, right? I'm a, you know, I'm I'm into routines, and I'll explain later why. But I kind of get stuck into a routine that I, I very seldom break out of, and one of them has to. One of them involves I can't do anything first thing in the morning. So my routine is, is that I have to brush my teeth first thing in the morning before I can do anything, before I eat, before I talk to anyone, before I put any clothes on. You know what I mean? Not clothes, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's just like... dick <laughs> sorry, mum. Just brushing teeth. <laughs> I haven't brushed my teeth, mum. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a man of routine because I've been studying this all week. I, I'm on the spectrum. Asperger's autistic spectrum disorder right so there's this thing the book i was reading it makes a lot of references to what's known as the and i've been making myself memorize this for days now diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders that's a lot to memorize volume five that's why they shorten that shit down dsm oh is that what the book's called yeah right okay diagnostics and statistical manual it's proper like goes deep on Asperger's. The the well, I'm trying. I can't even remember the initials of the book now. Right, so the 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 DSM five, uh, fifth edition. I'll just shorten it down to that. Right, the DSM fifth edition talks about all sorts of mental impairments. Okay. And and uh, so the fifth edition came out in 2013, and that is the one that kind of changed the wording of the of the actual Asperger's diagnosis itself because you have what's called autism. So you have autistic spectrum disorder, ASD, and, it, and like, because it's a spectrum, it covers a lot of things, right? And the one that I have in particular in the fifth edition was reworded to um, autistic spectrum disorder level one without accompanying um, intellectual or language impairment I had to look up that one word, language impairment. That's a lot to bear in mind. So it's just, and even in the book itself, it said, but don't worry about that. We just call it Asperger's. <laughs> Fuck all that. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. It's what me and my dad referred to as wank talk. Oh, wank talk. Wank talk involves any sort of bureaucratic nonsense or mm. any sort of fancy word and applied when it doesn't need to be applied. Hairy fairy. Hairy fairy is more about, it's more about uh, new age spiritualism or kind of un pseudoscience not putting anything down when it comes to spiritualism because I like spiritualism but anyway so I'm talking about Asperger's right and I don't know why I waterboarded you of the whole technical terms of it maybe it just helps me remember it better waterboarding me with it (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I was reading about that all week and that um, it was fascinating because it brought back a lot of memories because you go through your life, even though you, I was given the diagnosis at three years of age back in 95, it was pretty obvious from day one. Well, was the same doctor you touching up? <laughs> yeah. Actually. Dr. Brown. I actually found out his name wasn't Dr. Brown. Oh, yeah, what was it? I don't know. It Was, was it, he Indian? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indian, yeah. Yeah, he was Indian. Why did you get Dr. Brown? Did you have a doctor called Dr. Brown? Look, me and my mum tend, 
quite in the last few years have kind of had like polite disagreements over names and locations and My times memories what over like it's what it's what called the the mandela effect mm-hmm. so this is an interesting one right mandela effect how right, before you explain it, how do you perceive it what the mandela effect yeah it's when you believe something from the past to be true whether it be a pop culture thing or mm-hmm. brand name or an image and you remember it being a certain way but then other people disagree with you and then you go to see it for yourself and you're like holy shit so there's classic examples the first one was nelson mandela himself being dead there are millions of people <clears throat> who are convinced oh mate growing up in the 90s i always assumed that was the news nelson mandela's dead yeah he did die in 2012 i want to say oh, he's, yeah he died recently but i mean years ago when i was a kid i believed he was a right like, a, a, yeah he was dead and all this culture and stuff about him was like act like history but he was alive still yeah it, that fucked my mind for a bit and i was like oh. well there's a few of them so i'm just giving the classic example of where it derived from originally which is uh there are millions of people who are convinced that nelson they they not only heard the news report of nelson mandela being dead but that they even watched footage of the funeral mm. um, and that's where it comes from that. i don't remember that much it's just like yeah. well that was back in the 80s you want to remember that yeah but um people who lived through the 80s there are people out there um another example is does the kit kat have a hyphen and in my head i was like yeah it does it doesn't never did have a hyphen does the monopoly man wear a i can never pronounce this word monocule monocle monocle yeah and you say does he no i thought i always thought he did no you could you could anyone watching right now go on your phone google it whatever and put in monopoly man and he will not be wearing a mono that's crazy what was Mon- it? monocle monocle i always get mixed up with the word mo- molecule 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 well that actually leads into another thing right so i'm reading this book about asperger's i want to go back to the mandela effect so pull me back into that but at any moment but um so i'm learning about the asperger's thing and there's another thing i have which is called um the initials are well the acronym whatever is sp um ld which is semantic pragmatic language disorder which means when i and you know people with asperger's don't understand certain idioms or figures figure of speeches or certain tones of sarcasm goes mm-hmm. way over our heads even so like do you know when i say things and i notice it so i always say i'm joking to you because like i know i see I, see I notice it in your face you're like oh and i'm like damn i'm joking yeah and then you're like oh like, okay yeah and you get it straight away you know what i mean i think it's because i'm not i have to see people's facial expressions in order to best understand the context and the tone of what they're saying right does that make you a massive empath then? I can I think that's something that's kinda of happened as times went on. I think it's a separate thing. I've become more empathetic as time's gone on, but it there's a common before I even read the book, my understanding of Asperger's was is that we had no empathy. Kinda of like the androids in in uh, Do Androids Dream Electric Sheep or Blade Runner. But it's not quite like that. What it is is that people with Asperger's in social interactions. Hold on a minute. Can we bounce down? Do you have an up? <laughs> Are you an Android, Daniel? Is that what you're telling me? 
you <laughs> fucked me over again because in my head I'm like, yeah, no, I'm joking, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got me. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa, you're a fembot. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> oh, fucking Austin Powers. Anyway, those are, we're going off the rails. You can have the little fembot. Uh, thing on the the youtube video now with vanessa being a fembot <laughs> but the, right so the reason why is because people with asperger's when in social situations use intellect rather than intuition right okay. so, so someone like yourself or as i like to call the normies of the world no i told you earlier i get i do the same where like in a room full of people i'll, I'll listen to them talk first so i can get a grasp of who I want to interact with and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And most people can use purely intuition to just jump straight into the conversation and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like myself, if especially if I'm not familiar with these people, I'll just be, I'll sit on the sidelines. I'll be on the outside, just listening to what's being said. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, especially if it's a bigger dynamic, I'll end up sort of being part of a, a subgroup within the group. You know, you could have 12 people, but it could be like, four lots of three people chatting amongst themselves, you know? And I'm always the first person to do that. I'm like, right, who can, who can, who who looks, not like I'm looking for someone like myself, but who's the outlier within the group? And you'll see someone that's kind of quiet by themselves as well. You think like, cool, I'm going to try and be friends with them. Who you're drawn to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the outlier, the, you know, of the group. Or if someone's interacting with me, I can interact. But again, I'm using intellect because I'm following what they're saying. I'm reading the expression. Most, um, you know, interactions can be pretty straightforward because it might be a question you know i mean there's an answer to that question all i have to do is answer the question would you like a drink it's going to be a yes or no you know what i mean but there's more in-depth conversations going on people saying what do you do for your job what do you do what you're interested in suddenly i'm like i'm going on intellect because i'm like okay i'm i've trained myself i go off like a, a script that i've learned over the years where it becomes like a sort of unconscious thing where i'm uh talking about my work or I'm talking about what I'm interested in because they asked but then I'll be sure to have like a cut off point where I just kind of cut myself off and wrap up the thing I'm saying mm-hmm. and I'm getting better at picking up on people's facial expressions of whether they're bored or whether they're disinterested I can kind of pick that up because they just kind of so what about someone like myself like my face is like if, I, if I'm not animated it's kind of always in a bit of a yeah so how would you pick up on that? Because I, I, I'm, I'm generally like, do have a resting bitch face. It's not, it's, you know what I mean? Poker face, yeah. I'm more comfortable around you. So every once in a while, if I'm gone on a bit and you haven't said anything, I'm like, are you alive? No, I'm joking. I mean, like, I'll say to you, you know, am I rambling? Yeah, I'm generally just listening though. Like, I, I am quite a good listener. Like, mm. And and you say quite a lot of interesting shit. So it might seem like I'm bored, but then I'm, pr- I'm just processing it. You know what I mean? Because you do go at 100 miles per hour sometimes, and in my head I'm just like, all right, well, I'll keep note of that. And, and, and I, I am a bit of a mumbler as well. Like sometimes certain words don't come out correctly. Oh man, I'm a, I'm a mumbler, massive mumbler. I'm probably mumbling right now. I don't no, even notice. You're it. right now. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think that's just who you are. And going back to like the, so- the social aspect, I think you, um, when you talk to people, you um, take take notice of their. Um, personality and what they do and, and talk about that and people love that so that's how you bond easily because I notice that you make a lot of friends and most of them are assholes no offence 
<laughs> I can't really argue with that. You've met a few of them, in the, and, um, and you're yeah, maybe of, that's just me. No, maybe you, I just think they're. No, I don't know because you you bring a lot of perspective into my life, which I really appreciate, especially in the month that you've been here. There'll be certain people that are kind of tolerated in life, certain people that were easy enough to get along with because, they were, as far as I was concerned, they were. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a decent word to use, but they were agreeable for the most part. They were agreeable, and they liked being in my company or I like being in their company so in my mind that was sort of the bottom standard of some form of friendship for me but then as you get older you start to realize you know you kind of want more interpersonal relationships with people where like there's more depth to it you can be more yourself there's no expectations there's no standards and you can just like oh we can just cut loose and have a laugh and if I do say something that's a bit near the knuckle comes across a bit wrong <laughs> Close it's, to the knuckle. i love that one yeah near the knuckle <laughs> it, it, it's forgivable yeah yeah you know, it's nice to be able because people understand me i'm never i'm not really that outrageous but i'll just come out with some crazy abstract nonsense or i'll just come out with something that's kind of satirical i've got a very satirical wit or sense mm-hmm. of humor where i'm quick to poke fun at something within the culture or something that's been that's part of the zeitgeist at that moment or just something around us or a person and you observe it in a way that can make people laugh but some because sometimes it can be personal without being i'm not being a dick i'm just saying to think, oh he looks like a such and such and such and people go, jesus christ you know what i mean when you say i can't help it i just have to say it it's like oh he looks like phil mitchell <laughs> or you know what i mean yeah yeah i've never said i've never compared someone to phil mitchell actually when i was working as a lifeguard we used to play this game called find the celebrity lookalike <laughs> right like so, fucking dawn of the dead or not yeah exactly yeah. exactly right so um <laughs> The good thing about holiday parks were is that people always left on a Monday or a Friday and people were either arriving on a Monday or a Friday for the most part. Mm-hmm. So you, I always arrived on a Friday, Mablethorpe represent. Yeah. So <laughs> I worked at Weymouth Bay and I worked at Little Sea, which are both in Weymouth. Which is the one we went to the other day. Little Weymouth C. Bay. Weymouth Bay. That was um, the first one I worked at 2014. But I got friendly with some of the lifeguards over the years and... Um, were any of them named Steve? No, no one's called Steven. All right. Just, I just like to make sure. Yeah. There's always a Steve somewhere in there. So we had this game where during summertime, peak time, you we had a capacity of like 120 people in the pool. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would get full. So in order to pass the time, you're doing 30 minutes on each, rota- um, each position of the rotation. Sometimes there'd be five rotations. That would take you... Uh, two and a half hours to complete. So that's two well, and a half hours. There is fucking cushion. What's that? Cushion. Okay, it's right up my ass, man. No, I was organised. I, I, I readjusted I the pillow. Show up. <laughs> <laughs> now I felt like that advert with a fucking chick sinking into the couch. She's like, <laughs> and her sister's sitting there like, my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty bit of phlegm just go. <laughs> I'll get power of editing, my friend. And then no, uh, sister's saying. like, my sister just smoked a joint. Now look at her. And, she's, and then you, the camera pans back, and it's just like a fucking bit of clay with two eyes and that. Like she's proper melted in the camera. I don't remember that. It's like an American advert. Oh, okay, okay. I, it's a... creepy. Like it would put you off marijuana if you're a fucking pussy. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, celebrity lookalikes in the pool, right? Yeah, 120 people full capacity. And you get friendly with some of the lifeguards and I'll be like, oh, there's um, 
one time I did say Phil Mitchell, but that's not really a, a good one. You have to think outside the box. But my problem was, and I did get some people laughing a lot with some of the celebrity lookalikes, but everyone, most of the time. Yeah, that's not bad. Unless it's a proper, like, you look like Mel B from Bo Select Up, kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's quite insulting, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's not a celebrity. Oh my God. So actually, yeah, right? Have you actually got <laughs> She didn't look like her, but she sounded like her. So she did the Aqua Gold sessions at the leisure centre I was working at, right? And she was like 75. Backstroke, you bastard. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, I can. The mozzie's back. The mozzie's back. All right, when it's not in view, it's all right. When I can see it, that's when it pisses me off. She was in her 70s, this woman. Right. And she had like the, I can't right, say her name. I can't, sense, I can't say her name, right? But uh, she, had like, she had like curly granny blue rinse hair. <laughs> Strong features. She had like the pre-baby boomer features about her. You could tell she'd fucking clean some minds in her time. <laughs> You know what I mean? She's one of those. Got stuck right in. She had this deep, gruff voice. It sounded like both selected doing Mel B. So she did these Aqua Gold sessions and all that. And, uh, oh, they were miserable cunts, these women. Yeah. All in their 80s. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They're just like proper conservative. I don't want to be mean, you know what I mean? I, I, some of them were nice, but they loved me. Because- Mate, be mean. This is the save room, motherfucker. No, don't be mean. Don't be mean for no reason. You know? No, these are... <laughs> you know I mean, they're all women. <laughs> They were just a typical, I wouldn't say Karens. It was like Karens, but from the 1930s. Yeah. Karens of the 1930s. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? World War II. Like Karens. World, World War II? That's World War One. World War Two is 39, 45. So they were sort of, oh, gr- they, 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 they were, the beginning. they were probably children during this time. Right. So they're like World War Two so like, Karens. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you call them. Fucking Patricia's. Patricia's. Is that, is that, a, is that a 30s name? Patricia? Well, you think about the life. Marjorie, that's definitely yeah, Mar- amazing. All right, so the the Marjories of the world. Mm. But I, I give them a little bit of. Oh, hang on, my phone's a bit too close to the thing, so it's going to cause crackle. Sorry about this. Let's strike one. Being the sound engineer on the podcast, I don't let anything fuck. I fuck really high, bro. That's fine. And um, so these old women loved me because um, I was really good at the thousand yard stare. So it was like a pool that was about 1.2 meters. And Huh? What? The pool was 1.2 meters. No, the a thousand yard stare thing. A thousand yard stare is an expression for like, for people, especially people that uh, suffered PTSD. No, I know, but I'm I'm trying to like comprehend how you have a good one. What do you mean? All right, so I'm I'm watching the pool because the pool's not deep. Oh, so like like just this isn't the holiday holiday park, by the way. I'm moving on to the next place I worked out. Right, I'm doing it. Is this it? Yeah, that's kind of it, really, but right. in a more sort of preoccupied way. Right, okay. I had a kind of preoccupied so, like, sternness you, what, about me. So technically, you just get rid of your peripherals and just I just yeah because your laser uh, focus. So I developed laser when you when you work, Ta- sorry Carl. when you work as a lifeguard long enough you begin to de- uh, build what's called or develop what's called a lifeguard's instinct, all right? And one of those instincts was, and I got really good at this because I did this job for a good few years. I could stare at the pool and think about my writing or I could think about projects that I wanted to do because, you know, going back to the Asperger's, your mind runs on a loop. Mm-hmm. You get obsessed with ideas. Some some passions, some ideas have like, you know, a sort of expiry date. So I might be obsessed with something for about four weeks and move on to the next subject. Or there are certain things that become all consuming in my life, like writing, like parkour, like learning French. They took up a big chunk of my life. And my mind runs on a loop because it's like, that's what I'm into. That's what I'm into. 
mm-hmm. and um, one of them was 500 miles an hour. So I could be lifeguarding, and for that 30 minutes, while the, those old ladies, those Marjories, are doing their aqua class in shallow water, like 1.2 meters, where they're not going to drown, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, unless they have a heart attack, <laughs> could happen. It didn't happen with me, and but the triple max it will happen. Controversial. Anyway, so no, I don't mind. Fucking save a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking save him, bro. Say what you want. Eat dick out of your leg. <laughs> Take off your bra if you like. <laughs> so I got this thousand yard stare thinking about my book, my mind, my autistic brain running on a loop. And uh, I get some, I'd figure out some fucking plot holes sometimes, lifeguard in that pool. And the women loved me because I had the thousand yard stare. And because they're 70, 80 years of age, they can't see further than what, four feet. So they're just seeing me as a blur. So as far as they're concerned, I'm actually really being attentive watching the pool. Mm-hmm. But really you don't give a fuck. <laughs> I give a fuck. I got the lifeguard's instinct, right? And one of the instincts oh. is, no, the instinct is what's known for uh, a concept known as the ladder of death. Oh, so they're like the ladder of oh, death yeah, is yeah. visceral isn't it yeah. when someone you drowns you have to still be looking at them to yeah but they're in my peripheral right. so when the ladder of death occurs in my peripheral sight even though like I've got the thousand yard stare and I'm thinking about my book or I'm thinking about something I'm into at that time I'll fucking snap out of it because I see the ladder of death right, it brings okay. me out of it because that's something that you you um, develop what? over a few years of lifeguarding and I'm sure you get the equivalent of it when you're in the military like I'd love to talk to my dad about this but what was what was the army equivalent? Because using the Scots Guards, right? What, what is the equivalent of that with lifeguarding? You don't. It's it's the ladder. Of, That's the, a good question to ask him when we have him on. Yeah, because you know they're in their bricks. This is what it was called in Ireland. There was four of them just walking in their bricks, and they've got to be constantly alert at all at any given moment because a fucking nail bomb could go off in a car or something would happen, right? But at the same time, you just your mind goes into that sort of trance. What's the instinct? What's the ladder of death equivalent for a soldier on patrolling? You know, I hope I'm talking into the mic here. I'm sorry if I've, yeah, my Take bad. Take this, you bastard! <laughs> Wouldn't that be a big stick? No, but like, pistol, yeah, but what would it be called? What would it be? What, what the ladder of death, but for a soldier? You know, I mean, what what is it? Someone a sudden movements, sudden. I don't know. I'd have I'd have to ask him. I'd have to ask someone because I'm curious to know. But that's what we call it in lifeguarding, the ladder of death. And you'd be smart about it, you know. Watching a pool full of a bunch of 80-year-olds in shallow water do the little aqua class is low risk compared to a bunch of two-year-olds having their first swim lesson. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm fucking 100% my brain's on that pool now. Yeah, man. It'd have to be. I hope I'm not rambling about fucking lifeguarding yeah, just, there. Uh, you can't let a bunch of two-year-olds un- unattended. No, there'd be a lifeguard there anyway, and, you, and, and you'd have teachers. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Do you know what's crazy? Like when you when you learn to be a lifeguard, like they tell you some messed up stories. We had this one guy; I can't remember his name, but he was like, it wasn't Steve, was it? I couldn't remember his name, mate. This was back in 2015, I want to say. But basically, this guy, you get certain assessors or you get certain teachers, whatever you want to call them. But they run the MPLQ level two, which is what you need to be a lifeguard. And so I need to stop speaking away from this mic. I apologize. Mate, you're fine. And um, Maybe it's me. No, you're fine. I can hear you fine. Um, I just know I'm looking away from it. But like we were talking about with the teachers on the Oppenheimer episode, where we're saying there were certain teachers in our school 
that were able to talk on our level and, and inspire us and motivate us. I had that with a life, this lifeguard instructor uh, do, doing the course. We only had it for two days. It was a refresher course or whatever. And um, he's telling us all these stories about some ho- horrific stories of like children and, and water, you know, like it, it, drowning, you know what I mean? It's like, it really keeps you aware. You're like, oh my God, right, this shit can happen. And it's horrific when it happens, right? So that's what you're learning. So you, you understand the seriousness of the job. And then when you were working in these holiday parks, the leisure center wasn't too bad because that's, you know, public, public, public place, public pool. CCTV it's, cameras, isn't it? Not even that. It's just more a case of like, people are different when they're on holiday. The mindset's different when they're on vacation compared to when they're just going to their local swimming pool. Different, different vibe altogether. Yeah, yeah, and it's groundhog, it's groundhog day, but every week, every week's its routine. Monday you're doing this. Tuesday you're doing that. You see the same old people. I'm sure one of them was called Steve, though. Oh, easily, easily. There was one guy called Ray, and he would walk, like he must have had some sort of nerve problems or something like that. But when he walked, he was like really stiff and all that. And I, I one time I, can, I was like, I said to my of a, my mate, I was like, he reminds me of the bug, Vincent D'Onofrio in uh, Men in Black. He's the farmer, but then his body gets taken over what by did an you alien. Just call it. Vincent D'Onofrio, that's the actor that plays him. D'Onofrio? D'Onofrio. What the fuck are you saying, D'Onof- D'Onofrio? <laughs> what? That's a fucking Ninja Turtle, isn't it? <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> what the fuck, then? Tell, t- tell me the name. Vincent D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. My bad. I just captured me off guard, that's all. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were completely talking about someone else, then I clicked, I was like, he's talking about Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> D'Onofrio. Fucking hell, it sounds like a chocolate bar. <laughs> One that comes out your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's the save room, isn't it? Yeah, you know. Fuck, we should have done that bong before this podcast, Daniel. Yeah, anyway, fuck, so, fuck it, it's the save room, isn't it? It's not a free right? Go around. He plays the... Uh, he, he plays the alien, the farmer. That's all caught me off guard, mate. <laughs> fuck it, hell. He plays the bug in... In, the men in black, like, the, the, the evil guy. He's, he's the farmer. He's like he walks out and he's like, "That's how that Ray him. guy that, walked." That, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how this Ray guy at the swimming pool walked. No, and I was like, "He's like the bug from Men in Black," and everyone <laughs> be like, oh, "That's fucking hilarious." See, that is one insult that a celebrity looking like that is quite insulting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm glad I gave you an example of why. Like, sometimes my humor can be a bit because I'm just so quick to want to make comparisons and join dots together. I'm like, "You I'm look." Glad like, we had to go through your lifeguard career to get there. <laughs> Oh no, we'll cut that bit out. I'm joking. That. That, I'm joking. I'm joking, Daniel. <laughs> so. It's just material at the end of the day. You know what I mean? But yeah, so I'm just like jumping from one point to the next. But every once in a while, I find examples of like, I'm talking about being on the spectrum. I'm like, and there's classic examples throughout moments of my life where I'm like, there's an example of it. There's an example of it. Mm-hmm. You know, mind running on a loop, being obsessed with certain ideas for either weeks to years at a time. You know, you realize, oh yeah, when you stop to think about it, that's not normal behavior. You know, I, I always use the term normies, people who don't have, who aren't on the spectrum. That's quite insulting, mate. Is it? Not really, not to me anyway. All right. To some people. But I, I do, like, ironically, like quote unquote, it's like, oh, normies, nor- normies of the world. Normies. You know what I mean? You, pe- NPCs. NPCs, yeah. <laughs> about the simulation. But, um, that's what it is though, they're NPCs, aren't they? The, the, the people that walk around yeah, so and they're like 
There were some things mm-hmm. I, there were some things I mentioned in the uh, in the simulation episode that I didn't get to. Well, there were some things I didn't get to mention in the simulation episode, and that was the idea of NPCs because it was something I'd read in advance. Um, with, when they're talking about non-player characters in video games, and you can compare that to people around you. When you see a crowd of anonymous uh, of anonymous people, people that you don't know, as far as you're concerned, they're just an NPC, a non-player character. Or for those who aren't familiar with video games, think of it more as like an extra in a movie. You know, henchman one henchmen too they don't have that there's no depth to them you don't know them they're just projections they're just cardboard cutouts for all you care but until you interact with them then they become a, a human being you know oh well, i've got a few 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 that guy laughing <laughs> 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 uh, i have few fucking hell few i have a few concurs to your simulation theory no, concur means to agree. What's the other one? I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, in Scary Movie 4, when the two, the fat guys are sitting there, the one's like, I can care, and the other one says, I, he doesn't say I disagree, you know that much? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just, I was taking the Fuck, piss. I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. No, I, I know what I was going to say. I <laughs> I have a few disagreements to your simulation. Well, not disagreements. A few, a few rebuttals. rebuttals. Yes, rebuttals. rebuttals. I have a few rebuttals, right? So, say, in theory, I got a kitchen knife, right, and slit my hand wide open. We had a little look in that. It wouldn't be fucking code flying out my hand. It would be fucking. It doesn't need to be though, because the very things that make it up can be broken down into s- numbers. You know. But it's it's only a rebuttal, though. It's like you know what I mean. This is all theory at the end of the day. We don't. How deep do we go to start to find the very fabric? All right. Do you know how that... we make a lot of games, a lot of simulations ourselves? Mm-hmm. So, in that simulation, there's people walking around like us with feelings and emotion, and like trying to. Then they're thinking, "Oh, we're in a simulation. We need to. Who, who's who's the leader of this?" Who's made this? And the leader of the simulation is what I mentioned in the. I mean, who, I mean, who, who made this simulation then? Yeah, because it goes on and on and on. But it, like Jesus, well, I don't know. It just goes on and on God, and on. What's God's real? What's God's full name? What's his second name? If God had a had a crisis in confidence, would that make him an atheist? <laughs> <laughs> what does God say? Is he like for for, for what sake? Mm-hmm. What does God say when he says for God's sake? He says for what for for whom for whom's sake. I don't know, For but, the, but the point I'm making is right. We're going. Um, I was talking about like this. I'll, I'm just touching over it real quickly because I don't want to repeat the same shit from last episode. But you know, type three species, maybe it's us, a future version of us, and we're trying to do what's called an ancestor simulation. Where it's, this sounds really fucking hairy fairy, but it's so <laughs> cool when you're just playing with these ideas when you read things in literature and, and, and inspire certain ideas within you that haven't really fully formed, and you can start joining the dots together. That's what my brain's like, and. I'm like, well, maybe if this ancestor simulation is a thing, then that means that there's a future version of us trying to understand our origins. So we're creating this ancestor simulation. People are like, but this whole, it, it would be mind-boggling the, the amount of technology required to make this possible. But I'm thinking, but you have to think outside the box because you think about you know going back to those Marjories in the in the swimming pool. They were young children, maybe ten years of age when World War Two ended, right? So what they've seen in their childhood compared to what we have now. It's going back to the French people in the 1899 
drawing up those postcards of what they thought the year 2000 would look like. And it's like, it, it's in that level of technology is just on another level beyond yeah, comprehension. All the grannies are on Facebook now. All the Marjorie's on, my, my granny's on Facebook. Yeah, but they, they misuse it. Oh, you know what's funny about Facebook as well? It, you probably don't see it happen as much now, but this is when Facebook was starting to be, because MySpace and Bebo was... Bebo, fucking Bebo. hell. Well, Bebo. I've never had a Bebo. No, me neither, but Bebo was big in Weymouth when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. It went before I'd moved here. So it's Bebo down here and then MySpace where we were in Northamptonshire. And um, what? this is Dorset, isn't it? Dorset, yeah, southwest. Um, but that was sort of a safe haven for adolescents because really it was only the adolescents that were using it. My older sister didn't have MySpace. My mum didn't have MySpace. My dad didn't have MySpace. It was just for us, right? But then Facebook comes along and t becomes more popular, and everybody's on Facebook, right? I tried. Did you try to stay on MySpace for a bit? I tried, but then the, the, the bulletin board was just empty, and I'd be like, well. I'm speaking to no one here. I tapped out early 2009. My original uh, MySpace with fucking Facebook was created on 2009, but my new one's 2017. Yeah, mine's because I went for a, I went for a phase, mom, of um, uh, just deleting everyone. Mm. I thought I don't know you, I don't know you, but now I don't care who I know. I just had an exit. I remember everyone. those periods where you just go fucking rogue, and then I'd hear from you again like six months later. Yeah, man. I'd, uh, most of the time it was because I was on my ass and I was just like sofa surfing, so I didn't have time. I'd be like updating my social media, like looking at my fucking, my, my Rustler's burger. You know what I mean, I don't post food on that anyway, but like, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I didn't have time for that shit. I was trying to sort my life out, you know what I mean? And when you're starting to sort your life out, you don't tend to, the rest of the world don't matter. Well, this is taking me back to the whole naivety of social media, right? Especially in the beginning, beginning of it, the, the Marjories of the world. Who first went on Facebook when it became the cool thing in like 2009, 2010, right? Mm -hmm. And you see how some of these people, for for young people like us, 17, 18 years of age, we we very quickly pick up Facebook and figure it out within about a week how it functions, less than a week, a couple of days, and you're like, right, this is how Facebook works. This is how we navigate it. On a, on a remember those moments where you would struggle though. You'd be like, what the fuck you would am struggle, I doing? yeah, because like, well, what's this about? It, it kinda, what am I doing? It, it, and and the status issues where would write would be like. I am doing this. Do you know what I mean? But you know what made me laugh, right, is that these Marjories would come along and they would, like, put in their status, Hi, Kelly. It's Marjorie. How are you? Yeah, not even, like, tagging them or anything. Just, yeah, into the into the ether. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hoping they'd see it. They wouldn't even have them as a friend. Yeah. They'd just be like, You're right, John. Um, just posted the Christmas card through your door. Hope you get this well. Safe kisses. And the X and S and O's. And Safe kisses. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not just, I was thinking on the spot. <laughs> Safe kisses. <laughs> safe. Oh, what? You'd want a safe kiss, wouldn't you? I just want safe kisses. I don't All want kisses ang should be safe. I don't want angry kisses <laughs> or dangerous kisses. Do you want a dangerous kiss? You know, what's a dangerous kiss? I don't know, mate. Fucking punch in the face, then. A... Ow. Ooh. I don't know. I'm just freeballing. It's a saber minute. It's a saber minute. <laughs> well, we should have a counter for every time that we say that. But um, the naivety of it and people especially and people do this to this very day. I've noticed it because I came back on Facebook in March because I don't use it. And just seeing, uh, you know, I feel kind of sorry for people. I try to be sympathetic to certain people, but they just put it out there for mm -hmm. who. And I feel sorry for the people that really put their time into a rant. Okay. 
and they edit it and they they they, they proofread it and they go over it again and again right it takes about an hour because proofreading you know five uh, an hour can go like that when you're editing something with writing but to waste that time on a facebook status and then you might get fucking 20 likes 25 likes you might even go a little bit viral for the day and it gets like 300 shares and it's like but then the next day it just vanishes and i'm thinking i don't want to repeat myself because i've said this on numerous podcasts but that eric Bowen teachings the the canadian psychiatrist mm. eric Bowen wrote, wrote a book in 1964 games people play talks about the stroke system and so oh, yeah, yeah. the stroke should i do that one again no, no. All right. Well, I'll just get to you, the you can. It's, you can quite. You can tell it, but like it's, strokes. It's, is I reckon like, it's better to tell it in likes. Yeah, yeah. You, you have likes. People become addicted to the likes. Is what he called back then in the sixties strokes. But social media yeah. didn't exist in the sixties, so he called them strokes. So he was on the right. Yeah. You know what pre, I mean? Pre a stroking of one's what central nervous ego. system ego one stroking of ego one stroking yeah, of it's kind of like back in the 50s where people would dress up really nice and like flashing their shit about and that yeah that's like the equivalent to likes now isn't it it's like how many likes you've got how many like well, followers you've got and shit the, 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 the um the interaction you had with another individual saying hey is a stroke they say hey back they return the stroke you know what i mean and it's oh it's bit, much more simpler like that yeah and you might get so many strokes in your day because really you're only interacting with physical human beings so there is no internet there is no mobile phones in the 60s mm. you're just getting about 20 30 strokes a day if you're not a celebrity you know your friend your partner your kids people at the pub people at work those are the strokes that you're getting but now suddenly you can upload a photograph and it's got 100 likes, which is the modern day equivalent of a stroke. And it's like, that's a lot of strokes and it can be addictive. We get addicted to the strokes because physical strokes based on human interaction, that is meaningful. But the diluted version of that is a like or share or comment. It's a very shallow version of a stroke, mm -hmm. you know. Do you, here's a question, do you... Does it bother you if you post something and it doesn't get no interaction? Like, um, not not nothing to do with the podcast. Like, that's totally irrelevant. But just like a general status. Like, you think of something, you put it out, you think it's going to be funny or. I don't post statuses. I don't post statuses. Anyone that's on my social media no, will know. I just mean like, if you post anything and it gets like nothing, would you just be like, oh, I'm deleting that? Or does it bother you? It there was a time you? when it used to bother me because when I was working at New Look in 2016. I was so miserable in that job that I was hitting the bong like three times a night, you know, but it was a shot. It wasn't a bong. It was tobacco and weed. And I was doing three of those a night and it would just send you into outer space because that tobacco and the marijuana mixed together directly. Man, fuck. And you got, you got the lungs for that though. I got the lungs for that, but it was a horrible way to live because my job left me so creatively bankrupt that I ended up just hitting the bong every night. Bankrupt? emotionally bankrupt oh, I no no no. i was making good money with that job but never be a slave to a salary that's the bottom line yeah. and i was a slave to a salary but i had to experience that servitude that kind of intense level of servitude where it's absolute misery and you think fucking how do people do this for 20 years i did for nine months saved up enough cash to go live in bordeaux and write my first book so fuck it, it worked out for me and it was all part of the journey mm -hmm. but the point i'm trying to make about this oh fuck i've gone off topic i know no what was I saying? Was it? It's to do with the stroke system. 
And you were going on to, um, no, I brought up something. I asked you a question about likes. It does it bother you? It, you knew. Yeah. So, because I was hitting the bong so much. Thanks for bringing me back there. Thank you. All right. Threw out that anchor. <laughs> yeah. Hold on to this. Save a minute. Yeah. Save him. Ding. <laughs> and um, about ding 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 ding. I think we said about five times. Huh? Yeah, no. I would I'd put things on. I was on Facebook back then. I'll put things on. Did you fa- work with anyone new? Steve. Yes, you did. The fucking manager's manager's manager was called Steve, and he was an arsehole What's that? How high up is that? Fucking hell. Why is Steve's always high up? It's always a high up Steve. Well, he, he got canned in the end, or he left. I don't know what happened. He was an arsehole Canned. <laughs> fucking hell. That's. <laughs> That's like a Donald Trump expression we're getting fired, isn't it? Like, getting canned. You're fired. So Sit I, down. But, no, so I'm that, putting all that. these... So I'll go on Facebook and I'd put up statuses, I'd put up things or whatever, like one-liners or jokes or little anecdotes or pictures of things. And, you know, this is Zelda. This is Majora's Mask. Can't wait to play this and get high, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just real lame things. And I haven't... Even though I'm back on Facebook, I don't do that anymore. I'll literally... It'll be... This podcast is coming out. This is a clip. This is a clip. This is a clip. And the other one, on occasion, I don't do it as much as I used to when it first came out, but the book. Yeah, yeah. I only did it recently because it was an ad. Yeah. So Mate, you go back a year, my Facebook is, that's all it is. It's just plastered with, my, with the podcast shit. Like, it's just, my, my Facebook is literally just an advertisement for my fucking, for this now. Yeah. Like, you I know mean, what? I, I post clips and funny stuff and that. I try and t- interact with people, but like, that's about it. Like, yeah. I don't really give a fuck about Facebook. People's lives, but, yeah. I care about people's lives, but I, I don't care about Facebook. You know what I mean? There was one little thing I forgot to add about when you asked the question about like deleting things or how do I feel about a certain number of likes. Mm-hmm. Back then, because I was the reason why I even brought up doing the shotties is because the shotties would give me such paranoia that I'd post something and then immediately delete it <laughs> or archive it. Mate, I remember liking some of your stuff and then it, 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 10 minutes later it'd be going up. Like, yeah, oh, that was funny. Because the shotties were just making me. Maybe so... I would only find it funny. Is that what you. No, 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 because I was such a. You just wanted the. I was such a shite bag back then. I like the word shite bag in, the, in that house when it means someone who's not a coward, but someone that's just easily spooked. Mm, I get scared easily. Because that's what the weed would do to me. It would make me really intro, introspective. And. And to a certain degree, I'd be retrospective because I'd be thinking back to things that happened five years ago, six years ago. I'd go end up being in this sort of like little bubble of reality where I was experiencing this high, mm-hmm. you know, in my own head. And I remember the routine, it'd be the same routine. You hit the bong and everything, the room starts to go fucking And it's like, is this my life? But um, I'd post shit on Facebook and I'd delete it. But now I just... I just post, I, I very seldom post things unless it's to do with the book, with the podcast or the occasional funny meme that I'll put in an Instagram story. Mm-hmm. But Facebook, I don't bother my ass with. Yeah. I, I, like, I'm sorry if I'm rambling. No, 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 because I asked you a fucking question, man. I wanted the answer, innit? It's our podcast. We'll talk about what the fuck we want. Um, but I, like, I, I did post shit. I'd, I'd post like songs and like, Get one like about no one likes this fucking song. Like, god damn it! Mm. But I'd be like back in this like 2016, 2017. Now I don't care. Like, it's like I post shit, and I rarely post shit personal. And, and the other day I did, and that was because that was because like I had to. I didn't name any names, but like now, like I feel like now I've moved. A lot of people have come out of the woodwork. You know, it's, like you've gone through a very 
it was a very cathartic experience because you're getting off your chest. You're saying, this is the thing that's been bubbling up inside me. I'm going to let you know that this is what I've been feeling. And a, a few people came with such love towards you. Well, yeah, because I was being honest for the first time ever. Like, mm. I, I kept it inside for so long. And not a lot of people know, like, because I, I didn't go around telling people. I told the people that I, I actually thought were friends and tried to say, look, look, bought, this was bullshit, but none mm. of them believe me. And then <laughs> the motherfucker comes out of the woodwork and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, blah, blah, mm. blah, you know? So, and then, like, he just total fucked up loads of my friendships, like, lifelong friendships and, like, and never come to me and said sorry for it. Yeah, you know what? I fucked my life up for years. I know, no. it's awful. But you know what the thing is, is now you're in the healing process. You're yeah, in- I've healed, man, because, like, the, the, you know the moment where you let go? It's like fucking my emotion towards those people are gone. Do you mm. know what I mean? And you know how fucking on the fence I was about going to oh, I won't mention a it, certain friend's yeah, wedding. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. I was like, I like find it really hard to care now. Mm. So when that happened, I was just like, yeah, like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna let some emotion out a little bit, a little bit here. It's good have though because emotion, you don't, you have don't. Some in my heart. If you bottle things up, it does manifest and it kind of it seeps out in your personality. It seeps out. It's almost like a symbiote. It's like venom almost. Mm. It really does take take you over whether it be grief or whether it be depression or whether it be trauma it will build up inside you if you don't let it out in a healthy way that's why writing can be so beneficial that's why working out at the gym can be so helpful in life to you that's why i get really into games because i'll I'll portray myself into the character and like play it as if i'm you know what i mean that's how i'll get addicted so easily i've been there myself though but not video games when i was younger but going back to the the asperger's book it talks about that one of the main things that because there's a transition that occurs even just with other, uh, regular people where you know you have these friendship groups and most friendship groups or friendships that you have at a young age are very disposable mm-hmm. because it's not there's not much emotional depth to those friendships at that young age because you're still developing it's more of an egocentric driven thing where it's like oh they live next door to me. That's why they're my friend. Or they sit on the same table as me. That's why they're my friend. We played, you know, we, you're playing catch, you're playing ball, you're playing make-believe, whatever. But then as, the, as you get older, you evolve and your, the dynamics with your peers evolve. Mm-hmm. And people on the spectrum can struggle to transition into that because we still want to kind of live in this make-believe world of pretend there were certain kids in my junior school that would play pretend with me, where we'd be our favorite wrestler, would be our favorite Dragon Ball Z character. I fucking love that shit. I guarantee it. Like, I don't care what anyone says. You want to do a Stone Cold Stunner right now? Yeah, like, oh, fucking hell yeah, man. <laughs> Stunner. <laughs> Sorry. No. But it's true though, right? Would you fucking do some wrestling moves at least? Like, you know what I mean? In a nicely padded area. Yeah, exactly. Grass. Yeah, like a fucking nice little trampoline or something. But I'd like to be warmed up, mate. I'm 30 now, you know what I mean? I've got joints, you know what I mean? You know the story I see a lot is that someone that's like 35 years of age just does a thing and their knee explodes or their fucking shoulder explodes or they just slip and crack their fucking head open and it's like, oh, you're getting older now, Barry. You know, he can't be playing with the kids anymore. That's why That's why when um, I was going to do a back... We've had all our injuries. I mean, we've had some fucked up injuries. We've had... I've split my head open. I've broke my ankle. I've fucking... Yeah, I mean, we've been through a lot. I've fucked my back up. I think we're, yeah, we're yeah, good yeah. now. We've, we've got that little bit of karma where we can... We've got a couple of years where we can do some shit. 
I reckon. Because we were doing some fucking mad shit at the fucking skate park the other day. We were sound. Yeah. We didn't even warm up. Well, we were skating first, but that precision I did, that was fun, mm. man. That was Sebastian Foucan level. <laughs> Sebastian Foucan. Foucan. He did, a docu- he did a documentary called Jump Britain. He, he had com- <laughs> Jump London. He commented on Daniel Rutter's... Um, no, he didn't. Anyway, carry on. There was his fake account. I don't know. <laughs> no, we'll go fucking, we'll not going to that. We'll not go that one. Actually, no, nah, dude, it's the stage for a minute. No, I'm, I'm joking. Fuck. Let's not carry on. <laughs> jump Britain, innit? Let's talk about Jump Britain for a little bit. Yeah, so. Which one's better, Jump London or Jump Britain? Well, Jump Britain's better. But the original. OG. I'll break it down. There was a, there was a time Easy. in my life. Easy. Yeah, he a rapist. No, he got. I think he did a suspended sentence, or so he actually did do a little bit of time for sexual harassment while he was working as a photographer. Or, you know, some form of behavior that was, like, just not acceptable. You know, devious behavior. I, I don't know the details of it because it was quite a vague article because it got... Sh- it, I was part What's of his it. real name? It's got to be Stephen, isn't it? He's basically, he's basically just a mongrel. Like, he ripped people off left, right, and center. That's why... Yeah, he fucked th- Urban Free, though. He'd, he'd take all their money and shit. Yeah, I watched the documentary on it. I forget that guy's name on YouTube. You must have watched the same one. That was a sick documentary. I forget his name. Oh, Do you know um, what I'm about? yes. He's, he wears glasses. Jimmy he, the Giant. That's him. That's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like that's a wicked documentary. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, Jimmy the Giant. Shout out, Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tag him in on Insta. When we go back to <laughs> when we go to like what I was saying earlier about Tag how the wee man in it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, you got a lot of fucking fun editing this, mate. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah! Um, when I was talking earlier about being sort of like obsessed with things for either weeks at a time or years at a time, parkour was one of those things I was obsessed with for years oh, at a time yeah, because man. it was it was one of those sports where there was a social element to it that I really appreciated. Don't remember who taught you how to vault, mate? You did, you little fucking liar. <laughs> I'll tell the so. Oh no, it's embarrassing. I'll get to that in a minute, right? Because that's the beginnings <laughs> of the parkour career. I've never actually really spoke much about my parkour career. So, yeah, honest. it was a, an opportunity to kind of get to socialize with different groups of people for me because, you know, at 13 years of age, you know, I would hang out in different estates. I would hang out with different people in my area, but I never really went out to town. I never ventured to town. So 14 was when I finally started doing that. Yeah. And that's when it coincided perfectly with the, the, the rise in parkour. It was in its early days. It was kind of like the first few years of parkour because 2005 was when Jump Britain came out, right? Which was a documentary of this French guy named Sebastian Foucault. He was like the co-founder of um, parkour. He did it with David Bell and the Yamasaki. There's a whole group in, in France, in Lise, during the uh, mid-90s. And um, that became the mecca for parkour. But then it gets into a bit of a weird one where people started arguing. This happened all the time. People would argue about the, the definition between parkour and the definition between free running. They, they were tracer. Tr- it's tracer. Tracer. I'm a tracer. No, you PK, mate. Talk out your ass, mate. It was you're more English. Com- it was more commonly known as being free runner. Being a free runner. Don't but free runner was a little bit. It's like no, well, I do parkour. You know what I mean? I'd I be a bit of a snob. say parkour, but yeah. like, wasn't free runner person. You're kind of involved of doing like flips and stuff, like more of a free runner. Like, so that's what I initiated it with. Initiated that. That was the common. That was the common argument. Was that I parkour? Parkour was all about movement. 
right get them from a to b as quick as possible mm-hmm. free running basics was, isn't it like the, the art of the basics like yeah. you know what i mean yeah the foundations of it there was, yeah, it was yeah. kind of a purist movement and that's, that's yeah and then you had free running which was um back flipping over taxis and that <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> front flipping over mad carry yeah on the, on the taxi stand oi <laughs> <laughs> remember <laughs> fucking nutter man oh. Fuck like, and we just walked past her like she was a normal person. Like, you all right, Carrie? She'd be like, all right, Carrie, sorry. Here's 50p. <laughs> I got a story about Carrie. <laughs> Go on. I'm 15, right? And all I'm right. walking with Andrew Tullock, and I think it's his girlfriend. Her name's Steve? <laughs> no, her name was Jade. And we're walking, right? It might have not been her, but anyway, so Andrew Tullock's there. Jack McKee. She had some big titties. Jack. <laughs> she did. She did. She did have some big titties. I'm not, that's not a bad thing. Good thing. <laughs> it's you know, it's, you know, save a minute. <laughs> You're not wrong, mate. You're not wrong. Um... <laughs> Man, you know, you hit me hard. I got the donkey laugh going. <laughs> Fucking teeth on full display. Uh, <laughs> I make sure to put my hand over my face. And so here's my Kerry story. <laughs> I know, you got to tell your shitty dick story first. No, the Kerry story first. So, Oh, man. So who was this Kerry, by the way? You know, you seem to remember <laughs> better than I do. What's her, what's her origin story? I want to know. She's just some homeless... Homeless lady. No, I just I don't know. I don't know her that well. I just she um <laughs> just some um woman that hung around the taxi stand that bit of an alky. I get you. I don't when the, she, fuck mate, my memory. I don't know. Mate, she was a few sandwiches to describe. I don't want to be. I don't want to be mean. As you say, she was like, a few sandwiches short of a picture. <laughs> you know what I mean? To put it nicely, and um, so me, Andrew Tollett, Jack McShane. Jack McShane, yeah. Shit, that's a name yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're all walking down and we just kind of walked past this bush. Mm. And I swear we saw her with her kegs down. And we saw a baby. And we walked past and we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, we're like, wait a minute. Was that a fucking baby? <laughs> we need to go back and investigate this. And we go back and it's not, it's just some bold guy like, with his head down. I don't know what, what was going on. There was some fuckery afoot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was some fuckery of foot. Some fuckery of foot. Hey, but that's what? that's between them. You know what I mean? Steven. That's just that's between two grown ups. Whatever they're doing in the bushes. That was Stephen Carey. <laughs> Get it down, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? It's just funny. Just relieving that memory. And then we and then we ran, and then we ran out and then the bold guy just turned around and said, "It's all right, lads. Just me." <laughs> no offense to your mum's boyfriend. He's a lovely guy, but but most Andy's are bold, isn't they? They are. Like most Andy's I know that I've ever met a bold, you know what I mean? And and no offense, Tullock, but he's going bold, isn't he? Like he's on the way. He's on the and way. No out. offense, me, like gosh, I might kill that bill. That's he's, fucking... he's two years away from Robocop. Just a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, but like I, I mean, Andy, name and Andy. 
No, I do know Bold Andy. Yeah, I know a few. Yeah. I've got a few that a few that will. No, actually, and Andy Steele. You know, he he's pretty strong. Yeah, he's not. He's not. Yeah, he is quite strong, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's holding in tight. But it's not. No, maybe maybe I'm I'm sorry. Sorry, Andy's of the world. But um, so that was that Carrie story. I don't know if that's any good or not for you. But we ran away once we realised it wasn't a baby. So and, she uh, was getting. And then she walked up. She walked afterwards. And she, <laughs> yeah, she put her arms out. She just started going off like a crow. Oh man, fucking. And we're just like. One time, right, me and Tullock are walking into town. She fucked you in the ass. And she just, <laughs> she pegged me. <laughs> no, she, um, <laughs> one time we're just walking into town, me and Tullock, and then she just starts walking up to us, just started screaming at us. And we just started screaming back at her. And nothing happened. We just went our separate ways, shouting at each other. Me, Tullock, and... That's what it was like back in the day. Scary. Probably, and then we just walked away and we just... We like the shit just happened around us. Yeah, like it all happened around. Like none of it really affected us until a later age. But oh, there's that mosquito, the little bastard. I can see it. I put the shades on. That motherfucker, I can see it. It's a fucking. That's not part of the saber, is it? These ray motherfucker. These ray bands. I found these. Are you gonna tell the ray band story? What that I just found them in a in a locker. No, I found them in a cubicle in the one of the holiday parks in twenty seventeen. And I was just like yoink. <laughs> yoink. And uh Mate, I swear you've told this story like eight times. Oh mate, I've like fucking spazzed out here. <laughs> so what were you saying about are you not telling tell the shitty deck story, come on. We're supposed to start with that. We totally fucking skipped it. No like Again, you know, I have a certain social naivety about me, especially when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Not seeing red flags when you're interacting with a female. You know, when there's an attraction there, when there's an interest there between both of you, and you're like, cool. But like, straight away, this one particular girl, there was just red flags going. And um, I just didn't pick up on them because I was not using my intuition. I was using my... What kind of red flags? Just like the things that she, I mean, this was long, this was 10 years ago nearly, but she, the things that she was saying, the way she was talking about her life at present, what had been going on in her life, there was just so many red flags. It's like there was another guy on the scene. There's another, there's a baby involved. It's like, dude, get, run away. You know what I mean? That's, that's what. Yeah, you can, you can just be like, decide to leave. Yeah, exactly. You can like, just be like, I'm but, off. As I've gotten older, I've gotten better. I mean, I've been in a good relationship for the last two and a half years, so it's not something I've had to think about. But there are moments when you're meeting someone that there are red flags and you don't follow that. Into, people follow their intuition and they get the fuck out of there. Some people get a bit blinded by the lust. Some people follow their intuition. Yeah. Following your dick. Does that make sense? Yeah, which I did when I was younger. And it wasn't always great, you know. Because you have those couple of years, though, isn't it? You're allowed, I'm sure. Like, you know what I mean? Hmm. There's like a a gap year, gap year. <laughs> well, yeah, like can the female and male can just slay. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like unwritten book of the road. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you can no one talks about it. But you have those like two years, where it's just like, <laughs> fucking condomless, like just barebacking chicks. 
and they're doing the same, like, like equal rights and all that shit. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know what I mean? You have those years, whether you're 18 to 20, 22 to 50 to 55, I don't know, <laughs> whatever tickles your fancy, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying. Where were we going with this? Well, this particular girl, right? Yeah, all right yeah, I'm not making any derogatory comments against her, but. No, we won't be mean. I finally it's got. Just for a minute. When I finally got. <laughs> there, there came a moment when I was at hers, and as I walked in, there was a big Jamaican flag up on the kitchen. And I was like, the ex partner's still around. Red flag. Get the fuck out of there, because if you. Strike one. Luckily, nothing happened, right? It was all good, but you know what I mean? That was a red flag. And the next thing you know, there comes that point of no return where it's like, right, I'm gonna, nothing's happened. I'm gonna bail or I'm gonna make a move. And I should have bailed and said, right, cool, nice catching up with you. Nothing's happened. There's been no exchange. You get out of there scot free, cool. You caught up with an old friend, right? But instead, you go for the other route. You make a move. And then it becomes so awkward because it's like, oh, did you make the move? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Like when what cup in the ass is getting a little soft. I think it's like you, when you're in the hug when, you, when you're when you're hugging it's when the hug happens it's yeah. like the goodbye hug it's and like that's the point of no return is the goodbye hug <laughs> and it's like what well, I'm gonna split goodbye hug and then you feel like a little bit of grinding happens and you're like oh no not grinding no. but just an energy just a little tip <laughs> yeah tip pops out <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry I uh <laughs> let me tuck that back in <laughs> Tizzy's coming out everywhere. story itself so i'm not going to continue the story <laughs> fair enough but it just basically ended on a very sour note where it was just kind of like there was regret from both parties but by, by the end of it you're thinking she wish she hadn't done that and i wish i hadn't done that and now it's just fucking awkward by the way i wanted to bring up something when we're talking about vincent duffrey <laughs> <laughs> vincent Duff. Help me. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio. Thank you. Thank you. Help he, me. He was in a film called uh, Full Metal Jacket. I, I want to I wanna bring that up. Help me, fucking hell, Jesus. No, but like, help me, like, not like... Uh, no, but the uh, way he said it, you went, help me. <laughs> my arms are sausages. <laughs> mummy Someone call or, my mummy. Yeah, mummy or ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> See, when the ambulance turns up and, like, Jay throws the weed, he's like, fuck, get out of here. It's like, it's an ambulance, Jay. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, man. But yeah, so Full Metal Jacket. It's almost like it's two films in one. Oh, 
the first half's fucking like them training and that. Well, Bo- not, not for the first half. What do they call it? Boot camp mm. training. They go to that place. Uh, if I remember, they go to a military base. I can't remember. Vincent D'Onofrio, the one who gets shot in the head. No, it's the one who shoots himself. Uh, and the t- yeah, yeah. Carry on. His character's insane. Know, I'm, I'm sure so- someone gets shot in camp. They're calling through the... And they get shot in the head. No, no, no that's Jarhead. Then they get shot, though, he dies. Right, so... Let me just make the distinction here. I haven't here. watched it for a while, but... Full Metal Jacket. First half of the film, they're going through boot camp. Mm. You've got Private Pile, played by Vincent. Right, yeah, yeah. D'Onofrio. Oh, there, you go. there we go, cool. <laughs> and he... Maybe you're pronouncing it right. I just hear everyone on YouTube saying D'Onofrio. From all the kink, like, uh, fucking Marvel videos I've been watching... All the nerds are like Vincent D'Onofrio. That's where I get it from. Maybe you're saying it wrong. I don't fucking know, man. No, no, no I'm, I'm fucking. I struggle with a lot of words. Like in the last episode, I couldn't say philosophy. Philosopher. Philosopher. There you go. But you know I me. Mean? I couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yuri <laughs> No, you you just came in with that one. That was. Um, Remember that time they they um <laughs> they sent off the uh, rocket without the, any anyone in it by accident. <laughs> <laughs> no No I do Maybe you're having A bit of um, oh, you, Mandela effect there mate So you're saying There was a spaceship mm-hmm. That was launched And they forgot to put The astronaut in it Yeah You know heard the, the like The footage of the Audio Of the The um I tried so hard To hold it I So, that never actually happened I was making it up fucking carry on <laughs> no I thought you were I thought my intellect not, not my intuition on that one I tried so hard to make a story so, of it but. so he played <laughs> it's a cat back Vincent Nofrio he plays Private Pile in Full Metal Jacket right. the actor put on weight for the role is he the one that gets fucking shouted at all the time he just, I haven't watched it in years so you, you could you could tell from multiple viewings of the film that Private Pyle was someone who has some form of learning difficulties. It's not really specified, but you get that impression. Mm-hmm. My dad explained it where when he joined the Scots Guards at 20 years of age, he'd been living in hostels in London for like the last few years and he lived in York before that. So, you know what I mean? He was very good at going from place to place. He was very adaptable by this point. He'd done it at a very young age because he left home at such a young age. So he'd built that adaptability on the, on the streets. So mm-hmm. the army for him was, in a way, luxury for him because that's at that time he had so much energy that that's what you put it into for, for those years. And he said himself that when he, he got through the boot camp, he got through the training, but there were people who got dropped off by their mummy and daddy. Mummy and daddy. With the briefcase and all that, all backed up and all that. You could, they lasted three days or a week, you know what I mean? As the weeks progressed in his training, his basic training, people would start dropping off left, right, and center because some people just didn't make the cut. And uh, that's who Private Pile is. What my dad described with showing up with mummy and daddy, that's Private Pile and potentially learning difficulties. And this drill instructor played by Ali Hemet. Ali. So he plays the drill instructor. But what's fascinating about it is he originally worked as a sort of creative consultant where he would provide the accuracy 
of the person that was going to, the actor that was going to be playing the drill instructor. Mm-hmm. But because he was so good at it, Ali. Oh, the actual... What? Ali Ermi. Ali Ermi. What a weird name. So anyway, it, he already was a drill instructor. Mm-hmm. He'd had that experience. And then he went into acting later on in life. And... um he sends in a tape of himself to Stanley Kubrick, the director, who I think is also writing it, but adapting it from a novel. And um, he just, um, he was amazing. Stanley Kubrick was like, right, this is my drill instructor. And, he, you know, he said himself that he could just make phone calls and ask questions of any of his liaisons or anyone that he'd worked with in his career. You know, he had like a list of 50 people in his little phone book. Yeah. You can go through every single one of them to check up on anything because he was the consultant. But then he just ended up writing all oh, the cats. Jeff is there. So Ali Ermi was just tremendous because <coughs> Stanley Gerb- Kerbick was known for having a reputation for being meticulous, being a perfectionist. Maybe he himself was on the spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, Constantly, Constantly obsessed with, you know, and you could say it was excessive, but you could say that was part of his genius, you know. But, oh, man, there's got to be some madness to the... But him and the drill instructor, they just... They got on so well. And uh, they got through the scenes well. And, you know, I mean, they worked good as a team. Mm-hmm. So I always enjoyed that story about Full Metal Jacket. And also Vincent... Play, well, guy plays Private Pile. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. It's a save for a minute. <laughs> that was beautiful, man, wasn't that, that cut? When we just fucking die laughing. Oh, mate. 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 I'm telling you, I'm striving, isn't I, mate? <laughs> fucking hell. What's wrong with me? This vape's gone straight to me head. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so Private Pyle just starts to slowly lose his mind because eventually the drill instructor punishes everyone. You know, I don't know how many of them there are, these new recruits doing their basic training, but they all get punished because of his incompetence so one day they just pull it hold him down and they've got like these like, i don't know if it's like socks or sponges like wrapped up in a sock mm, it's like whacking just him, yeah. pelting him with it and he's got the gag in his mouth so he can't no one can hear him scream because they're doing it at night time and it's like fucking hell and that just slowly brainwashes him but then you have another character private joker the bot um i don't know who he's played by but he's one of the main protagonists of the story and um he kind of helps, he gets promoted and then he kind of helps uh, Private Pyle come along. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of their basic training, his brain's frazzled and he's just there in the bathroom. The music that's playing in the background is just beautiful. And he's just got his, this is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. And he's just flipping it, flipping his gun around, doing the fucking whole thing that the, they've been drilling nonstop for weeks and weeks and weeks. Drill instructor comes in and he said, what the fuck's going on in here? And Joker's like, uh, Private Pyle has a loaded gun, sir. And that's when it fucking kicks off. Pyle shoots the drill instructor. Mm-hmm. Sits on the toilet, blows his own brains out. Man, what a scene. It's a dark scene. It's a very dark scene. But the one is Private Pyle at the, at the beginning of that scene where his eyes are rolling up. Because he's just fucking gone. But the most amazing part about that scene is the score. I recommend that just that score alone. It's eerie. 
I'm getting caught in mouth like a motherfucker. <laughs> that um, that whole film's got a sick soundtrack in it. Mm. Tell me what else is a good war film. Um, we were soldiers. With Mel Gibson. Yeah. I've heard good things about that. It's fucking great. Have I watched them when I was younger, and when see if a film's good when you're younger, it sticks with you, and it like yeah, it's a great film. I watched problem, it for a while, but I remember it being a great film. My problem was when I was younger is that I'd watch a film to death. It would lull yeah, me to I did, sleep. I did that, mate, as well. I watched Dawn of the Dead to death. I can watch it now, but I watched it to death. I fucking loved it. So you watch it every night, you know what I mean? Like, I fucking want to watch it every day. Repeat mm. it. Watch the special features and go back to the film. Do you know what? I got into a weird habit, right? We mentioned earlier about me working at New Look and me being kind of heavy, regular user of the weed. And, um... Heavy taker. Well, hitting the, hitting the shotties. Yeah, man. Smoking the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it was a coping mechanism for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I think it is for some as well. Some people go on holiday. Some people just fucking cry. Smoke a couple of numbers. I just did my numbers every night. Yeah. Future. Until I broke out of it. But, Future um, with Steve in that. Oh, man, it's got lost again. <laughs> you hypnotized me. Man, you were talking about fucking going back to New York and that. Fucking sucking on titties. <laughs> 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 no, I just didn't have a dramatic effect. <laughs> he actually says, uh, no, I actually just did that for effect. Yeah, I know. We added the dramatic bit in Mandela effect. Or oh, maybe we just made it better. Oh, no, Jeff. What are you doing, mate? He's on my notes. That's that's outrageous. Nah, mate, what are you doing? That's outrageous, mate. He's... I forgot why I brought up the smoking weed back in the day there was some, smoking weed second no, this is, no there was something I was going to say there was actually something that I was going to um, what do you mean the battery's dead <laughs> <laughs> it's the way he says it it's like the battery's dead he's like what do you mean oh yeah I remember what I was going to say now sorry fucking hell you're going to have to edit that bit out mate but I've got it now right um, I'll get through the habit of getting really fucking high but back in that 2016 uh, period of my life where I wouldn't watch movies. I would, well, I would watch movies, but like a fucking lonely saddle that that I was at the time. I would YouTube the scene and read the comments on the scene. That's how fucking lonely I got. That's sad, isn't it? Because I didn't want to hang out with these people after work. I wasn't part of that little fucking circle. Again, I was the outsider of the group. Did you have your hand on your penis while you were doing it as well? Like a... To hold it like for its warmth <laughs> well you know sometimes you gotta check for lumps you know you know this cat's fucking every every year I, show, man. every year i get a new click right do you find that every year you get a new thing that clicks in your body mm. well my shoulder clicked the other day actually i was like well that's never happened before what the fuck? yeah i, I get arthritis, it man. so when i turn 28 a, a new click i'm 29 years old there's another click i'm like oh wow every year there's a new click and when i was 24 I found out that when I checked for lumps my thumb would click I was like no lumps <laughs> oh, eased up my thumb though. yeah I used to love clicking but I hate it now mm. I don't know why I can it makes me cringe I'm addicted to but it I used to be, be like there's these old wife tales like oh at least like, the arthritis was like <laughs> that was the that, that was the bullshit we were indoctrinated with it just releases nitrogen it's nothing between your joints that's all it's doing because the when you use a certain area, like I find that whenever I do, when I'm doing legs at the gym, for the next few days after that, my hips pop. It feels nice, like my leg, I'll, I'll 
open up my leg and it just go, oh, I just did it now. You know what I mean? Because I did fucking disgusting. Man. I did I did leg day a few days ago. If that's I don't if I don't normal. do leg day for like a week or so, it doesn't pop. That's fucking. I don't think that's normal. Yeah, it's not. I don't think you should do that. Well, I can't help it, can I? I don't want to move up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you can just don't do that again. Well, not in front of me anyway, please. That's not that. Oh, okay. And then they passed out. My bad. <laughs> no, I'm just, just that. <laughs> Honestly, I feel woozy now. Oh, my bad. We'll take a little breather. <laughs> take your brows off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss Man. <laughs> we just should brush his past We all got our secrets, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to have a scene of just the balls. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll try to edit it in, mate. <laughs> we all have our secrets, Cindy. Oh, Miss Man. <laughs> oh, Miss Man. <laughs> you have. <laughs> People got like, like bums off and that. It's just like... a fucking chisel Greek look. <laughs> yeah. With it's little brain. Your fucking hens, man. <laughs> wearing a skirt as well. It's like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, um, it just opens up her legs. like It's like him um, <laughs> dick as well. I just love that line. We all got our secrets, Cindy. <laughs> it's like the crossover as well. Do you know what my favourite? Line in all of the scary movies. Line. <laughs> what? It's the way you try to hide the burp. Bit, the way you said line, you went. Then my favorite line is a scary movie. My bad. My favorite line in any of the scary movies is scary movie three when it's doing signs, right. and it's going back to the flashback that was originally in the Mel Gibson film Signs, where it's the flashback <laughs> of his wife dying, right, getting hit by the uh, you know the truck. Mm-hmm. Hits, hits a, his wife I, I haven't even seen Signs so I couldn't fucking tell you the character's name it's a guy that Mel Gibson plays Charlie Sheen does the does the parody version of him in Scary Movie 3 yeah. and they do the exact same flashback but the uh, in the original movies M. Night Shyamalan just being comforted in a blanket because he was the one that hit the girl he's been comforted yeah. by the paramedics in the Scary, Scary Movie 3 version, it's the exact same shot, same clothing, everything. Obviously, different actors. not M. Night Shyamalan doing a cameo. It's just another guy. And he just looks up and goes, Tom, I'll need a ride home. <laughs> That's the he's him who killed his wife as well. Yeah. It? He's like, Tom, I need a ride home. <laughs> That's, the only th- That's the only bit they added to that scene. They replicated it perfectly, beat for beat. In oh, that no, flashback, doing, right? Like, the sausage but thing that, in there, that's but, not. But the oh, no, 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 no. But like, I'm all about <laughs> just that. Like... But just that one scene. Yeah, it's yeah. the exact same scene as they've done in Signs, except for that one line. Yeah. And I love it. Do you know what it makes just... me laugh the most in Scary Movie Three? When Nike's thinking back to it, and all you can hear is the music faintly playing in the background. Mm. You know the little tune that plays in his head when he thinks about it. What's the little tune? It's like. Yeah, it's like a circus tune, isn't it? Yeah, it's like he snaps out of it. I, I always crack me up for some reason. Or when that, or when <laughs> when that guy goes flying out a window, he just goes straight back up. When he hears his daughter crying, he just fucking hits his head on a lamp. Yeah, he's like ding, and then he goes to go up again. He's like, oh damn, it's another one. <laughs> and he's peeing, and then he just leans back, <laughs> screaming. He just keeps moving his head back. And he's like, Wah! oh man, because oh, so the first. Two scary movies were um, were directed by the Waynes brothers, right? But three and four had David Zucker, which mm-hmm. is the, and the, I can't remember the other guy's names. I think there's three of them as a trio of write, comedy writers who done Airplane. Mm-hmm. I think they had something to do with Naked Gun, maybe. But I'm not but they did sure. but they did scary movie three and four as well. I'm sure they right? did Naked Gun as well. But Airpl- That's their comedy. Well, Airplane 100%. was one of the funniest spoofs of its time because 
so here's the origin well, here's the story about this right so in the i don't know the date specifically but it was in the early to mid 70s might even be in the late 70s right it was in the 70s one of the worst aviation incidents happened with the most most fatalities like just the worst thing to happen in aviation history right Mm-hmm. There was a there was a lot of fog going on. I might be getting this a bit messed up, but I'll give you the gist of it. One of the planes landed in Gibraltar, was taken off from Gibraltar, had to land. It was a, a you know, stopping off or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, there was some sort of terrorist attack activity that had been going on around the airport. And um, I'm trying to think here now, Jesus Christ, because it's been so long since I've read about it. Anyway, there's there's a fog going on. There's a miscommunication going on. One of the plane goes to leave, but there's another plane on the on the on the same strip, hits it, fucking kills hundreds of people. And that's what inspired the. You're gonna have to fucking edit that bit down too as well. <laughs> Starting like power of editing, my friend. But um, yeah, that's so because of that aviation disaster that inspired what was called airport or airplane this movie. That you talk that, that airplane disaster movies mm-hmm. genre there was loads of them and uh so in 1980 you get airplane which is david zucker and these two other two other guys doing a parody of those films and it was just fucking hilarious you didn't even need to really watch the original movies to get the jokes it was just fucking hilarious and um they were the same guys that did scary movie three and four they killed it though i reckon I actually prefer the humour of Scary Movie 3 and 4 to the first two. I know that's going to sound really controversial. I love the Waynes. But David Zucker and those and his, and his, his associates. You have to let him out again. But do you know what I mean? There's just something fucking... Whether it be physical humour, whether it be referential humour, it's just something they do that makes it funny. It's the, there's more going on in the background with the David Zucker. You know what it is? I think Dave Sheridan said it on... When we spoke to him, it's the it might be it might be Craig actually either one anyway. Um, they were saying like because they're saying such ridiculous shit, but playing it so straight. That's what's so funny about mm. it. With with scary movie one and two, like they're just it's like well, that was the story with Leslie Nielsen. So he was a character actor back in the day. He was known for his sort of his stature his you know he was a tall guy he's quite built he just kind of had a menacing look about him so he'd always play like dracula or he'd play like all these spooky characters and these sort of gothic renaissance films or whatever the that genre was called at the time you know he was a character actor but because he came from drama he would implement that kind of delivery in the films like airplane yeah, you know one good. of the funny ones in airplanes is uh because ma'am this this girl needs to go to a hospital and she's like what's that or like something like what? And he goes, it's it's a it's a large building with patients in it. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. He does it in that deadpan series. I might I might have butchered that bit, but I'm giving you the gist of it. No, but it's it's like he's just answering it straight. Yeah, he's like, using his dramatic, you know, like chops. There's no common sense behind his answer. It's just it's very literal. Yeah, and because yeah. my brain is triggered to be so literal, I can see the humor in mm-hmm. literal humor. Oh, man, I love I dry. Love humor. You know, dad jokes. I'm a sucker for dad jokes. I oh, fucking no. love a dad joke because, again, it's like a most dad jokes just kind of expose a thing in such an obvious way. It kind of makes such an obvious, kind of obscure. Yeah, what's I'm that? Repeating um, the words again. Observation of something. One liner comedian's name: Tim 
Is it Tim? No, it was Stephen Wright. No, not Stephen. He's, he's English. Yeah, I know, but I prefer Stephen Wright. But right. he did say a few funny jokes. Tim something, right? He said one joke when he said, um, Macaulay came up to me today and he said, I've got bubonic plague. And I said, don't give me that. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, like, some of them are good. Yeah. He's got too many, but some of them are genius. And he's just a generally funny guy as well. He used to be on a lot of panel shows. That's what I mean. So, Fucking panel shows. I, I don't even know where I was going with that point, but what I'm trying to say is, it's like I, I love, I love literal. No, I like, well, just be you prefer Leslie Nielsen, his his dramatic delivery, and and Craig Berkel's a fine example because he was from he, all dramatic shit, exactly and thrust into scary. And movie it's a form. genius move. Yeah, it's like when you get Oscar winners to play comedic roles. Sometimes it pays off. Mm-hmm. My most famous example is Kathy Kathy Burke in, in Waterboy. Is it Waterboy? No, I'm getting the wrong name, and I Kathy Kathy. Bates, Kathy, I'll die on my Kathy Bates. Ah, fuck! I'll have to put another waste meme. Fuck. <laughs> anyway, who is Kathy Burke then? Uh, I don't know. Oh, fucker, fuck Kathy Burke, fuck you. So Kathy Bates um, won an Oscar for her role in Misery. That's the one where she's got the dude captured in it. Yeah, Paul mm. Sheldon, the writer, based on the Stephen King novel. He's writing the Misery series. She's mm-hmm. his number. She's the number one fan of this Paul Sheldon. He is in a snowstorm after finishing his most recent novel. Ends up in a snowstorm, wakes up in this fucking cabin with his number one fan. This played by Kathy Bates, and she's a fucking psychopath. And it is tense. I struggle to watch it, but it's a great movie. You gotta watch it at least once. It's a great movie. I'm ashamed to say that I haven't read the book. I've read a lot of Stephen King books, but that's not one of them. You can't read every book. You can, well, you can't. Well, no, you can't. Do you reckon you could read it? No, you can't. That's impossible. No, my my favorite book by Stephen King has to be The Dead Zone. Sorry about that. Yeah, the Dead Zone was my favorite. Where the Dead Zone? I think my favorite, and it's it's the first time I've ever read a book and really cared about characters. Mm. Really cared about the characters. Mine's the Dreamcatcher. I don't yeah. know why. He wrote that. That was the first book he published after his accident, because the guy was going for. I his don't little... think he particularly likes it himself, but for some reason, I, I like it. He was on a lot of medication at the time, pain medication. And it was his first book back. But it's not his fault that I like it, you know what I mean? No, I'm glad you like it, though. That's good, though. It's good that you can find beauty in things that other people don't see beauty in. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of subjectivity. I'll give you this shit. Yeah. Right. I'll give it again if you want. Sure thing, bro. Thank you. No problem. Thanks again. That's all I needed. Um... But yeah, uh, yeah. So Kathy Bates was won an Oscar quite rightly for this fucking amazing portrayal she did of this crazy woman. Psychopath, yeah. And um but then eight years later she's Bobby Boucher's mother in Waterboy <laughs> and she fucking kills it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that line when Vicky Valancourt comes to visit and have dinner with Bobby and <laughs> Bobby's mama <laughs> and she don't like it. She's trying to say shit to put Vicky off, and he goes, he goes, well, did he, uh, did he, did you know that he had to wear, he wears pajamas with the character of Deputy Dog? Vicky Valancourt's like, I find Deputy Dog to be very, very sexy. And then Mama says, do you know that his feet stink so much that he has to wear two pairs of socks to bed or something like that? And he goes, uh. Not just wet, you know what I mean? 
She's like, well, I don't like men with stinky feet. <laughs> and then finally, Mama goes, tell you about his little bedtime problem. Bobby's like, Mama, please, no, I'm begging you. <laughs> fucking throws a thumb over her shoulder. You just see a fucking bed sheet on the line. It's the biggest piss stain you've ever seen. <laughs> That's a sheet over there. <laughs> and even that in that scene, you see Vicky Valencourt go a bit like... What the fuck? <laughs> and then Bobby Boucher's like, if you excuse me now, ladies, I'm going to go hang myself. <laughs> oh, man, 90s Adam Sandler. Mate, man. that movie, that, that, just that one scene fucking kills me. It fucking kills me. And going back to my little weird year that I had when I was 24, getting high and watching shit on YouTube, like not even watching whole movies, just watching scenes Jeez. of movies. I was like, let's watch the scene because... I became so precious about my time at that point. You ever done the reaction? Like, instead of watching a full series, you'd watch reactions? Oh, well, that's a... Okay. Is, I'm, that, is that a rabbit hole? It's not a rabbit hole. It's like kind of like a... Not a guilty admission, but it's, it feels like a, a nerdy thing to do. Where you like... It feels dirty, doesn't it? It's not even that it's dirty. Like it it's, is. It's filthy. Because you can watch reactions by... It's, it's, a, it's a thing that's growing now. People are going to be curious to want to watch a soldier react to a war movie or an astronaut doing a reaction. You're going to want to watch a professional react to movies that portray that professional. So that kind of how it starts off. And then sometimes you just, you might just want to watch someone react to it. That isn't necessarily part of that profession, but they just a very agreeable person. So you're doing it for personality. You might like the banter of certain people. You know, I, I think there's one YouTube reaction out there called the, I want to say they're called the Normies, or they are called, oh, it's these three black guys from London. I think they're from London. And just their reaction, the, the one guy has a catchphrase, he says, roll that thing, that thing back. That's what he always says. They watch the trailer and he goes, roll that thing back. Cool. <laughs>